This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We're in part two of a series called Anthems, and we're taking the anthems we sing as a church, and we're looking at the purpose of worship. And last week, we looked at the importance of lyrics, that yes, we're moved by melodies, but we need to know the words that are coming out of our mouths because we worship together when God's people come together and we sing, uh, we're raising our voices to declare who he is and what he has done. And so today we're looking at this great battle anthem uh, called Battle Belongs. And uh, I, I want to encourage you in this series, if I start singing in the middle of the message, join me. Like just go there with me if you know it. Others will be like, I don't know the song. Understand that a lot of us carry these songs for decades and uh, so I'm going to start one. I'm going to just get into it. And the song has motions. How many remember Sunday school motions, right? I told Matt, we don't have enough motions in our worship today. So start putting some motions into what we got going on. Uh, so this one comes with some pretty graphic motions. And it goes like this. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. Do it with me. I may never. This is a weird one. There's the Baptist right there. Only the Baptist tag it with, yes, sir. And there are brand new people to church going, they do that one more time, we're out of here, all right? I think I just saw the pastor holding an assault rifle up there. That's what we did. We did that at four years old, four and five years old. And so, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I was teaching on Zacchaeus, and I asked my son on the way to church, he's in the passenger seat, I go, Carson, uh, we sang a song in Sunday school growing up. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little... Look at, oh, they're into it. Like, oh, I love this series. I love it. Okay, so my son didn't know what I was singing. And I go, Carson, I'm a terrible father. I said, they didn't sing that song in Critter Street? And this is what my son said. He goes, Dad, we're more of a VeggieTales type church. <laughs> So we're at breakfast on Friday morning at, at Clockers, and I go, Carson, I'm going to lead out with, I'm in the Lord's Army, I'm marching in the infantry, I'm riding in the cavalry, I'm shooting the artillery. Uh, did you guys do that in Critter Street? And I just got a, we didn't do that one either. So anyway, we got these great, great songs, and I've been so encouraged uh, over the past week, and even this morning, people coming in, uh, just just being renewed with the idea of worship because we have a desire here that, that the, not just the volume increases, but that you would see the value. And in, in yes, we looked at worship as more than music. We sing on Sunday in a building. But we're talking about singing together and lifting our voices together in corporate worship. I read the story this week uh, from August 14, 1941, and this is on the deck of the Prince of Wales, a British ship. And on this day, one of the most important documents of the 20th century was signed. It was the Atlantic Charter, and this was a few months before the U.S. entered the war. And on this day, to sign this charter, uh, President Roosevelt met with Sir Winston Churchill, and they signed the document. There's a whole ceremony. We've got British and U.S. soldiers together. 
And they each picked a hymn, both President Roosevelt and Winston Churchill picked a hymn for them to sing. Because this has always been a part of, of our history, we're going to see in the scripture today. It's part of the history leading out into battle with song. And the, the theme today that we're going to look at, if you have your Bibles, turn to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Look it up on your phone, your app. We're not going to be able to cover the whole text, and so I want, I want you to take it home as homework But you're going to see that even here, praise and prayer lead out in battle. And both of each of these, President Roosevelt and Winston Churchill, they they picked a hymn. And it's reported, uh, Churchill's hymn that he picked was Onward Christian Soldiers. Marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. And it's something when I read lyrics, I have to read them. But if I were to start singing it, I could step out from here and we'd bust into it. That's the power we looked at last week of music. It helps us memorize and meditate on words. With the cross of Jesus going on before, Christ the royal master leads against the foe, forward into battle, see his banner go. And today we're going to talk about how you and I, when the battle is at our doorstep, when it looks like we're overpowered, outnumbered, and we are going down, That we have resolve and we lead out with prayer and praise. And that is the theme of our worship today. And we want everybody to take a step. If you've come to Starting Point and you know with our discipleship ministries here at Woodland Hills, we're always encouraging people to take a step. This series, a series on worship, is no different. We want during this series for you to take a step in worship from observation to participation. There are some of you that have been coming here for years and worship is kind of the warm-up act for preaching. I want you to know we do not believe that at this church. We don't believe it's something we do to get ready for something. We believe this is declaring unto the Lord and among God's people who he is and what he's done. Because as we looked at last week, this is what takes the truth of God's word down into the crevices of our soul, John Piper said. And so again... We looked at it last week, some of you, many of you have told me, I'm, I'm exactly what you talked about, Ted, I can't sing, but I make a joyful noise. And I want to hear those joyful noises. Uh, last week, a staff member uh, was back in the back, a uh, lady on staff, and she said, when we were first married, uh, we were singing out of a hymnal at, at a church, and uh, my husband leaned over to me and said, hey, would you please sing on key? That's a new husband. <laughs> That's a husband that needs some training. And uh, I restrained myself in the first service from saying who it is. And I'm not going to say it in this service either. And let me tell you, this is requiring a lot to hold back on this. So I leave that meeting. This is last Sunday. And I'm walking outside and I see that husband's the first person I see, a God-ordained meeting. This is something probably happened 20 years ago, but I'm still ticked about what he said to his wife. And I looked at him, I said, I can't believe you said to your wife, please sing on key. I must have heard the story wrong because he goes, that's not at all what I said to her. I go, okay, well, I love to hear your side. You're right. I shouldn't judge people until I get both sides of the story. He goes, I asked her to please pick a key. <laughs> I, I don't know what's worse. She can sing on key, but she just kind of bounces. And you got a little bit of that today. I switched up keys on the last uh, song a little bit. But sometimes you just got to go there. So take a step. And today we're looking at Battle Belongs, and we're going to look at this great battle anthem as we walk through the story of King Jehoshaphat and how uh, he calls upon the Lord 
to go before him in battle. And so here's what we're talking about today, the very first part of this song that we're going to sing to end our service. When all I see is the battle. Let's just stop right there, because when we talk battles, for some of you, it's physical. I've talked to several members of our church today where their battle is physical right now. Someone's going in tomorrow for a test, and, and they say the hardest thing about it for, for me, Ted, is that when you go in and you know something's wrong, and they schedule the test for four weeks out. I said, Ted, you, you have no idea. You, you, nothing else. You don't, he goes, you're just consumed for four weeks. And it could be nothing, it could be something big, but I'm going in tomorrow. That could be a physical battle for you right now. It could be a relational battle, a marital battle, uh, a vocational battle. You have the fight of your life at work right now or in your business. Uh, Financial, vocational, relational, whatever the battle may be, today we want to talk about victory and where our victory comes from. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain move, the lyrics say. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. I share this often in my family. You know, when we've gone through battles in our church or in our family, uh, when I come home and I'm able to look at Amy and I'm able to look at my kids and go, man, if I, if I lose everything, I know I still got you. But let me tell you something far more important than that. If I lose everything, I still have him. And that's what we want to declare today. And we're going to look at four. There's so many observations from 2 Chronicles 20. And I want to encourage you to read it and make it your homework this week. It's a great story. We're just going to look at four observations from this text. And here's the first one. As Jehoshaphat gets news that a vast army is coming against him. So he's the king of Judah, and a vast army is approaching, and this vast army is actually made up of three separate armies. That's important detail for the whole story when you get to the end of it and see the defeat. When he gets word of this vast army coming to invade Judah, he, the scripture says, is alarmed. He's alarmed, but he has resolve. And this is the key for each one of us when we face a battle. Yes, we can be alarmed. But we have resolve immediately to know where our help comes from. So when you're overwhelmed, outnumbered, like the battle seems too big and you got nothing to fight it with and you're alarmed, it's scary. We can admit that it's scary. You've waited four weeks for just the test, not even the results. But you've waited, you've waited, you've waited, and so you're alarmed. We start with knowing where the help comes from. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 4, the people of Judah, when they hear of the armies. It's a vast army, actually three armies approaching. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. So the Bible says they were alarmed, and they immediately sought help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And that we would be known at Woodland Hills as a people who, whatever we're facing, that is our first response, to seek help from the Lord. A couple things about battle as we jump into this text. Number one, we do not minimize battles here at this church. We are not a positive Uh, vibes church. We're not a hype church. It's like, just think good thoughts. It's not that bad. We don't walk around and a battle's coming to us and we're like, oh, it ain't that bad. It's all good. No, no, no. We can say this is bad. We do not believe here at this church in toxic positivity. Just, Just think, 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 think. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, and it'll go away. No, we can admit this is a battle. Guess what? Because even if you don't admit it, the three armies are still approaching. They're still coming at you. So it does no good to minimize a battle. But we understand immediately we do not fight alone. We seek help from the Lord, which means we don't fight alone and 
We do not fight in our own strength. Every time I say something even close to this, I, I just picture one of our first elders at this church, Gary Smalley, standing up here talking about the power we need from God. And too many of us, when we need power in a battle, we sit around and just go, and like we're going to will it into being. No, we don't, we don't, nothing's coming from within us. Our help is from above. And he goes before us. So we don't fight alone. We don't fight in our own power. And then this is the key we'll see in the text. We remember who the victory belongs to. So going out ahead of battle, at the end of battle, you're going to see in this text, it's music. It's singing. It's worship. And that's where we begin. Number two observation in the text, and we're going to get into the prayer. When the battle rages, invite others to join you in prayer. And that's exactly what King Jehoshaphat does. He gathers the people and he cries out to God. We read in 2 Chronicles 20, verses 5 through 9. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, and this is important because coming out of the pandemic, you know, in 2020, Oh, we just, there's so much debate over public gathering and, and whether or not it's important. I, I can't even believe we had the conversation. And, you know, we were pretty bold here to say gathering God's people together, very important. Like, yes, there's value in, in being home. There's value in watching something on a screen. But what we're talking about in this series, and you read throughout the entire Bible, when God's people gather together and lift their voices together to declare the truth of God's word, to declare the message of Christ, who he is, what he has done, there's power in that. So yes, this is important. I have friends almost every Saturday night they post online, Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. Make this part of your decision to gather with God's people to sing praises unto the Lord. So he gathers God's people. We keep reading. Here's now the prayer. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven, calling down his Father in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Now we're going to get into some of the history of Israel. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham? That's a nutshell of coming into the land. Your friend, they have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, whatever comes against us, whatever we face, we will stand in your presence, gathered together before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. And that's where we get to the chorus of battle belongs. When the battle is raging, when the battle's at your doorstep, you do not need to fight your battle alone. God goes before you, but you need to enlist others to join you in prayer. And we read that in the chorus of this song. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. I'm going to fight in prayer with my hands. This is, prayer is a weapon of war. With my hands lifted high, O God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night, O God, the battle belongs to you. And can I just encourage you, follower of Jesus, be the friend that joins others in battles and leads out in prayer. I told you the story last week of victory in Jesus being led. Uh, I ended the service with that. I was a worship pastor in South Georgia, and this was, it was a great weekend for me. I had a marriage event in Gainesville, Georgia, a conference, and it's with the pastor that I served for two years in South Georgia. They invited him to be a part of it as well. Austin Deloach, I call his nickname is Delahoya. And so, uh, and, and he was there. It's the first time I've seen Austin in 10 years. 
What I love about my friendship with Austin is when uh, we talk on the phone, we text, but we haven't been face-to-face in 10 years. And I, uh, when we get together, we pick up where we left off. So many laughs, so many great stories, walk down memory lane. And uh, so he was sharing, and everything I'm about to share with you, I need to know I'm not breaking any confidence here because uh, this was his story that he shared on Friday night at the conference. And I've never heard him share his marriage story even though I'm a part of it. Uh, I sat on the front row, very emotional night for me, very emotional weekend for me to hear his story because Austin called me, pastor, I call him the Billy Graham of South Georgia. He's an evangelist, man, and he's fired, and he's a, he's a preacher. And I mean, people come to know the Lord when he preaches, God has used him. And like I told you, he's just a calm, kind, gracious guy off the pulpit. When he gets in the pulpit, it's like, you know, I mean, he's, man, he's ready to go. And God has, has used him in a, a big way. And in 2007, Austin called me. And uh, he said, Jennifer just asked me to leave. I said, tell me what's going on. It's the first time I'm hearing it. And he said, Jennifer asked me to leave. Uh, Ted, things are not good. And it was right there. And if you're a ministry leader in here visiting, I just want to remind you, and this is what was going on in Austin's life, his ministry was thriving while his marriage was falling apart. Happens all the time. We get these calls at this church all the time from ministry leaders who on the outside and everything they're doing, they're killing it. But their marriage, if I can use King James language, stinketh. <laughs> it's not good. And I go, Austin, tell me what's going on. Ted, she just, we just had a pretty big blow up and she asked me to get out of the house. What should I do? And I said, leave. I go, give her her space right now. Let her feel safe, you know, and and, and as I heard his story, and, and the, I spent time with Austin in 2007, but you know, here's the hard part for me, is 2007, I was going through a pretty big battle here at Woodland Hills Family Church. We were going through a pretty divided time as a church. We were going through a pretty major church split. It was ugly. It was nasty. And I, I apologized to Austin this weekend. I said, I, I feel like I was a friend during that time, but I wasn't the friend that I I could have been, and I think sometimes we forget this. When we're in our own battles, we forget we're surrounded by people in their battles too. And if you want help in your battle, why don't you jump in and help someone in theirs? We, we are so stinking selfish. We are so caught up in our own battle and everything going on in our lives. When's the last time you were a friend to someone in another battle? And you said, I'm going to join you in this battle. I'm going to walk through it. It's how God brought this message at this time that was planned weeks ago into that time with Austin yesterday and Friday uh, into the movie I watched on the way <laughs> to uh, Atlanta. Who has not seen the movie War Room? Would you raise your hand? You have one assignment this week. You have to do nothing else but watch the movie War Room. Uh, this is Elizabeth here, and the battle in this movie, there's one battle, and the battle is a marriage falling apart. When you watch the first hour of the movie, you're going to hate this guy right here with every ounce of your... I wanted to throw something at him. I was so mad at him. Total jerk, stealing from his work, and I'm just... And it's so funny when we watch movies. We're always on the good side. Have you noticed that? We're always the good guy. We never relate to Goliath in the story. We're always David. But I, I've been around a lot of you. <laughs> You need to play the antagonist every now and then. Uh, and I'm watching this movie, and I'm seeing this battle. She's, Elizabeth is a real estate agent, and some of you are going to be like, well, stop talking about it if you want us to watch it. Too bad. This has been out since 2015. You should have seen it by now. Uh, 
she's a real estate agent. My favorite character in the movie is Miss Clara. Is she not a little, a little fiery? Little, I mean, she just, she has got it. And you, you ain't going to get away with nothing with her. Nothing. And so she's selling her house and Elizabeth walks in and, and Miss Clara walks into the, into the sitting room and goes, this is my third favorite room in the house. She goes, what are you doing here? She goes, mostly sit. And then she walks over, goes to the dining room, shows her the dining room. Says, this is my second favorite room in the house. Oh, okay. Well, what about your first room? What's your favorite room in the house? And she said, I'll show you that tomorrow when you come back. Basically, you're not ready. And she picks up, just in their interaction over selling a house, I, just, just as a little, this isn't even part of the message, but I'm just going to remind every realtor in here. Uh, yeah. Every, your job is a ministry. You never know what God can do with you. But in reverse in this movie, she went in with her battle, and Miss, Miss Clara asked her, tell me about your prayer life. She gives what typical answer. She goes, well, it's not hot, but I wouldn't say it. I pray, maybe like a lot of you. I mean, pray at, at mealtime. I'd say I'm somewhere in the middle. She's okay, and she gets up, Miss Clara gets up to go get the coffee, and you see in the kitchen, she pours half a cup from the, the pot that's hot and then takes old coffee, pours it in on top of it, brings it back to Elizabeth. Elizabeth takes a sip and is like, ugh, Miss Clara, you drink your coffee lukewarm? She goes, no, mine's piping hot. <laughs> but you told me you like lukewarm. And see, here, here's what I want to encourage all of us with. Listen, we have, we have stepped back from the value of prayer and how important this is in our life when fighting battles. And you see a battle take place here. And much like my friend Austin, he was in a battle. Years. Years of struggle. And, and now I'm at a marriage conference watching Austin and Jennifer tell their story of God's complete and total healing. Complete and total healing. Forgiveness. And I know that's not everybody's story in here. But I have to ask the question for some of you in that battle right now, a relational or marital battle. How's your prayer life with it? Because I know you spend plenty of time scheming. You, pl- you, spend, you wake up plenty of time at 2 a.m. thinking about, oh, tomorrow morning. Because <laughs> she, she asked me that question at 8 p.m. and I didn't have a good answer. But man, I, I got it now. <laughs> and when we wake up, she's going mm, to get it. All I'm saying is you're thinking about the battle plenty. Are you praying about the battle plenty? God does an amazing, amazing work in this life. And the next day, she comes back, and Miss Clara shows her her favorite room, which is the war room. And the war room is her prayer closet. It's this little closet that she cleared out, and just all over it, she's got papers of people that she's praying for. And, and how many of you want a Miss Clara in your life? I do. Better yet, how many of you are Miss Clara? I, I'm busy, I'll be honest with you. I got a lot going on. I got enough going on to be dealing with your nonsense. You need to get your act together. Because I'm sitting there watching this play out, and I'm listening to her, and I'm like, listen, we can fix this in about 30 seconds. But Miss Clara says, there's a much more powerful weapon than that, and it's prayer. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. What, let's keep going with the observations. Number three in this text when the battle rages, admit when you are powerless and have no answers. Just admit it. I watched this week 
the, it's on National Geographic. I encourage everyone to watch it. I've watched it probably six or seven times over the last few years. It's the interview with George W. Bush on 9-11. And it's just the timeline of that one day and everything. And he's, he, they're showing the clips, but then they're showing how he's processing it. And the angst in that, because he says very clearly in there, we didn't have a strategy. We didn't even know what was going on. And as I looked at the timeline, I was placing myself in that same, because that morning of 9-11, I was down at Big Cedar meeting with the staff at the river where I was the senior pastor in a battle there. They wanted me gone. And, I, and we didn't know what was going on with 9-11. And I just remember, it was just chaos. The whole day was chaos. We did not have answers. And all I remember is getting back to the church at the river in Forsyth and people started calling. Not to find out what's going on, not to get answers. They started calling to go, can we just come up there and pray? Why? Because it's all we know to do. And I just remember gathering with people in the lobby. We didn't have answers. George Bush talks about in that interview throughout the whole thing, just how frustrated he was the whole day because the telecoms, you know, he went from Florida over to Louisiana and Louisiana up to Nebraska and then Nebraska back to D.C. And he was coming in and out the telecoms. I still can't believe that Air Force One wasn't on top of it with all, and it made him mad. It frustrated him. When the plane went down in Pennsylvania, there was a, a period of time where he thought it was because of his order that he gave the Air Force to shoot down civilian aircraft that they were headed toward. So he said the whole day, the whole day played out like this. But you and I, having no answers that day, all we could do was pray. This is exactly where Jehoshaphat is at, and this is what he prays at the end of that prayer that we just read a second ago. In 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power, so they admit they're powerless, to face this vast army of three separate armies that is attacking us. And then number two, we do not know what to do. Christian, get to a place where you're okay with saying, I don't have an answer for this. I don't, I don't know the next step to take, but here's what I do know, and here's what I'll do until I do get answers. I, here's what I'll do until this battle comes to an end and my enemy's defeated. My eyes are on you. I'm powerless, I have no answer, but our eyes are on you. It's all we know to do. The scripture says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah. And in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 15, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. So now this is the word of the Lord coming to them after they pray. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The children of God always have heard this. They've always been commanded to take this approach when it comes to battle. We looked at this text last week, Exodus 14. And I, you know, I was emotional in the first service, emotional at this part, because I just, one thing when you pastor, and, and you know, in a small town like this, I know the stories that are sitting in here right now. And I know the battle that you're in, You've asked us to pray about it, but are you on your knees with hands lifted high? Have you prayed about it? I, I hope some of you go home, watch that movie, clear out a closet. Clear out a closet. Put the notes all over the place and just begin praying. Moses answered the people, saying, you're going to hear this theme throughout all of it. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Deuteronomy 20 Verse 1, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, he will be with you. Joshua 1 verse 9, 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And this psalm is probably one of my favorite psalms. I quote it often from this pulpit. Uh, and I often quote it right before a presidential election. And we're going to bring it out again as this year ramps up. But Psalm 20 and verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So whatever size army is coming against you. Don't think it's about building up and being stronger and working in your own power. Let's look at the next part of Battle Belongs. It says, and we're going to be singing here in just a moment, and if you are for me, who can be against me? That comes right from Romans eight thirty-one. You're going to just see scripture after scripture in this verse. For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you, Matthew 19, 26. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. We just sang that, Isaiah 61, 3. Thank you, God. When all I see is the cross, you see the empty tomb. Let this be your song this week. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing stands against the power of our God. If the battle belongs to the Lord, doesn't it make sense to send him in first? Doesn't it make sense to let him go before you? And that's exactly what we read in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 21. I love this because I think this would have been the group I would have been in. After consulting the people, after they pray, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him. We're going to gather a choir. And look at this. Don't miss this part. Praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And the key here, they went out at the head of the army. This has always thrown me. It's always thrown me. Hey, Ted, guess what? You're in the choir. Yeah, what are we doing? Well, we're going to put the infantry back there. The tanks are back there. And we want you to sing out ahead of them. <laughs> prefer a sword. Who prefer a sword over a song? Let me just see your hand. But those who know God is fighting their battles know the song is the victory. They know who's fighting their battles. And I, you have to have, can you imagine the boldness? All right, you guys ready? <laughs> Onward, Christian soldiers marching as we know the outcome. And they're able to go out ahead of the army. And what are they saying? Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And the last part today of this as we close and as we declare together victory. And we're going to declare it with singing and instruments. I've been looking forward to this for any of my Church of Christ friends in here. We're going to do it with instruments too. We're doing it with music, with singing, with instruments. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 22. As they began to sing and praise... The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. You know what happens? And this is why you got to read the whole text later on today. These three armies that make up the vast army, they turn on each other. Isn't that something to sit back and watch? When they show up, the people are dead. They say the plunder from the, the activity was so great it took them three days to remove all the plunder. Invading Judah, and they were defeated. Second Chronicles 20, 27 and 28. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned, I love it, joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord, where they started, with harps and lyres and trumpets. And they lifted their voices. And here's what we read as we conclude this story today. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms. Of course it did. We heard what happened. You, you, you weren't waving the sword. No, we were singing. It was pretty powerful. 
Oh, let our prayers and let our worship at this church be known with that kind of power, that people see it. The kingdoms, when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. And I think we love the word rest, and after the battle's over and the rest comes upon us, don't we get to a point where like, I deserve this little break. Somebody brings a new battle they want you to join them in and pray for them in, and you're like, mm, kind of on a sabbatical right now. You should have seen what I just went through. It was a big deal. You could have, should have seen how I joined so-and-so in their battle. I prayed for them. We saw victory in that. <sighs> Give me a little bit of time. Can I tell you that's what I love about the movie War Room? They do have a miracle in their marriage take place. And I mean, Miss Clara in the kitchen, you know, she's, she's by herself. She's dancing around and just having the time of her life. And then guess what she does immediately? And it's what ends the movie. She goes back into the war room her prayer closet, and she asked God to give her another one. You did it here. You did it again. You did it again. Now lead me to someone who needs me to be their prayer warrior. It's a term we've used in the church for years. If you grew up in the church, you heard it. Who are our prayer warriors? Who are our prayer warriors? I hope out of today and as we worship together with Battle Belongs, you will be a prayer warrior. I hope you take a step in participation today and lift your voice with your battle and with the battle you know others are facing around you. I'm not telling you to get in anybody's business today, but if you know a friend or a family member going through a battle, ask if you can join in prayer, because Miss Clara didn't have any problem doing that. She went, to, she went to war for this marriage and to see God's healing. <laughs> and it's what our church desires to do. We need more Jehoshaphats. We need more Miss Claras. Check this out. done it again Lord you've done it again you are good and you are mighty and you are merciful and you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it praise you Jesus you are Lord give me another one Lord Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. 
raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that will not compromise when under pressure, that will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle, that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Yeah.